Going Sports Podcast. Join us on a little history tour as we go through the 1980 Winter Olympics that took place in New York as we talk about the U.S. perspective as the miracle on ice unfolded. So we're all wondering how was this possible for the U.S. to organize a team that nobody knew who they were and be able to make this upset. So all of it was possible when Herb Brooks came into place and basically he wanted his own guys. He wanted a style of hockey that's more offensive to what the Soviets played. And obviously we'll get into the Soviets in our next episode, but how the Americans played basically getting a lot of Coach Brooks's players from college and also a lot of college players which at first several of the Federation viewed it as unorthodox, unconventional, even some some thought like that was crazy but you know in this world sometimes craziness is called innovative. Very true and I think you know I don't know like looking at the miracle movie that Disney did like you can in those early stages as you watch the beginning you're seeing this turmoil almost as uh, Herb Brooks is like trying to convince the Olympic Committee that hey this is actually going to be a good idea we've tried all these other options we've tried professional players and we've tried amateurs we've tried mix let's just try it my way and I think that's important because like if we look back at 1980s hockey in the U.S., yeah, we had the NHL, but was it really, it wasn't the NHL we know it today. It wasn't as popular. It didn't have much following. Like, the longest narrative forever about hockey is that it was a Canadian-dominated sport. In a lot of ways, it still is. But the league of the National Hockey League is still here inside the U.S. Most of the teams are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so true what you just talked about. And... And yeah, even the movie um, explained it very well in, in how the process began. And, and obviously we saw the, the first time they met the Soviet Union. Uh, did they get shellacked? Uh, yes, they did. It's the first time. That happens, <laughs> just like any other team. But that's when the U.S. got that starting momentum. They got to see how the Soviets played. How how disciplined they were. Obviously, the matter of fact was that the Soviet, like that Soviet team have been together for basically 10 years, which basically none of them were professionals. They all came from the Soviet military, which we'll get into that some other time, like in the, in the next episode. But they saw how they did things, and at first they were scared, but they saw, okay, what can we do? They saw that eventually they were gonna to get to gold. They have to go through the the Soviets. And you know, as we every talk to any Olympian and you hear their stories, the major, or even in any sports, really, let's let's bring it into a more broader terms. Yeah. The goal is you want to win a championship. Mm-hmm. From any time you're an athlete, you know, you set out, you want to win the championship. Mm-hmm. You want the glory. And so I think up until that point, these players 
didn't think it was, you know, they didn't know how what they were up against. You you can kind of it, as you watch and read these box scores and you watch some of the clips you could of their games before the Olympics, you can almost see that they're like, yeah, we love what we're doing, but we don't have a motivation. We don't have a reason to go. And after that Soviet game uh, in what was it like Madison Square or something? It, it was, was Madison Square Garden. Yes. Yeah. That's so correct. like in that early game where they just got clobbered. I mean, they just got wiped out. You can clearly see after that there was like a shift change of mentality where they're like, we want that goal. We want revenge yeah. almost. It was almost like, you know, back in 2008 with the Patriots, they had this perfect season and everyone was out to get them at the Super Bowl. You know, no one wanted them to win that game. Yeah. I think the same thing was here for the 1980 Olympics. No one wanted them, the, the Soviets, to win this gold medal for the umpteenth time in a row, right? Yeah. And then plus you add the political pressure that that goes on. Like, obviously, like this was just in time before uh, the Soviet decide, decided to... Well, basically, it's just in time before any boycott was going to happen because remember in 1980 even during the summer olympic the u.s boycotted it in moscow decided not to show up but they showed up just in time it was right at the nick of time that this happened and who knows what would have happened if if the winter olympics would have even boycotted as well mm -hmm. yeah and if they were boycotted we wouldn't have this great moment and, you know, even in 1980s, you know, we have the Cold War going on. Yeah, exactly. That's been going on since 1945. And, like, everyone was looking at this and going, okay, what's going to happen? Like, how... Because, like, sports, they have a way of reflecting political landscapes. They have a way of reflecting what the turmoil that's in the world. Yeah. world. I mean, we look at this particular particular example of the 1980 Winter Olympics with everyone's going, okay, is the U.S. finally going to beat the Soviets, or is the Soviets going to clobber them again? Like, it was reflecting what was going on in the political landscape with the Cold War. It was give and take every time, yeah. and sometimes the Soviets would come out on top, sometimes it was the U.S., but even in, in that first match, Soviets came on top. Well, yeah. Exactly. And just like any other story, it's all about learning from your mistakes and learning from your opponents. And and obviously the way the way how they played more offense, more attacking instead of defending, which that's what the Soviets want you to do when it comes to hockey, well that allowed the US to really open themselves up again, like really become innovative, not just in, in hockey, just forget about hockey or even sports, but also like it pioneered, in my opinion, the innovation that would come in the late 80s and even even into right now what we're seeing with the new with new technology rising, with new ways to to communicate, even new ways to train, whether it be for a sporting event or whether it be for your own health, that really helped the U.S. and becoming more innovative 
and showing that, hey, it's okay to take risk as long as we are doing it for the right reason, and that is to make not just ourselves a better player, but more a better nation. No, exactly, and I think the U.S. has always been one of the, those countries where they've always been innovative, they've always been taking risks, but I think especially as we get into you know the 20th century, at, towards the end of the Industrial Revolution, a lot of those innovations and risk-taking was kind of stagnated. You weren't seeing it as much as you probably were in years past, but like we were, you were just saying, like after that time, it, it almost got like in a hyperdrive, like it, it just started going again. Yeah. And it hasn't seemed to stop. It seemed to have slowed down a little, but it hasn't stopped. And so it's in some ways it's getting faster. In some ways it's slowing down. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so with this team, like I was called called with the, a bunch of misfits <laughs> at first because that's what they were. But at the end, you saw them collectively. You saw them how they play collectively. They may not have the flashy names. They may not have like even some of the skills that you're looking for like you see today in hockey but what they had is like the unity they they realized that at first a lot of these kids would come from university like hey I'm so and so I play for the University of Milwaukee or I play for the University of Minnesota or Michigan whatever but it wasn't until they realized that they said their name and they were playing for the United States of America, then it shifted. They realized they were not just playing for their communities, their families, buddies, states, but they were playing for a nation. And that can, changes everything. And that's exactly what, what happened to them that night in 1980. Mm -hmm. And as we look back at the movie, that moment of realization where they realize, hey, look, we're not there's this big three-letter name across our yeah. chest that says USA. That is our, it's not just a team name. It's where we're from. It's who we are. We're Americans. We're representing our country on that ice. Mm -hmm. Let's make it proud. And I think, as you are saying, like, until they had that mentality, like, they, they were going to lose. They had no chance. But once they made the realization, we're playing... For a country we're not playing for you know we're not playing for the quebec nordiques we're not playing yeah. for edmonton oilers we're not playing for a specific school a community we're not playing for a specific city we're playing for a whole country and you know we, we there's multiple olympians and athletes that from all over the world that have said the moment you put that country's uniform on everything about your whole athletic mentality shifts Yes, you're not exactly. the same athlete. Yeah. yeah, you have the same skill set. You have the same things, but you're you don't feel the same about what you're doing. You know, there's a lot more pressure on you at that point. Oh yeah, I definitely can see that, and that's what Herb Brooks wanted at first. And if you've seen the movie Miracle, we recommend it. It's very awesome. You get to learn about it, and in, in one of those scenes, which is actually true, you saw how they were being tortured in practice. Like, they would run up and down, kind of like in 
equivalent to a basketball suicide, which, by the way, it would kill. You can ask anybody. Either basketball, football, any sport. Suicide, mortal. It's pretty much, especially if you have to do it like four times. And basically, I, I can't even count. I think I thought, I thought I saw 14 or 13 times that they were running up and down the ice and uh, several of them were puking. Even the assistant coach and the trainer told them, hey, stop, cut it out, enough. But that player, one of the players stood up, said his name, and then Coach Brooks asked, who, where, who you play for? And instead of saying, any university, once he said the flag, the U.S., okay, gentlemen, we're done for the day. That's all he wanted. You, you might have th thought, oh, he's killing them because they didn't play well. But he did it because he wanted to hear that we're playing, that they're playing for a nation. Well, I think it was kind of double whammy, though, because I think, you know, as an athlete, anytime you lose a game, the next day at practice, sometimes even later that night, as we saw with in the movie, yeah. but like the next time you practice, you get a form of punishment, so to speak. Like you have a lot more reps of suicide sprints, oh, yeah. you know, That's so true, yeah. mile sprints, or you know, you have sixty-yard sprints. You have mm -hmm. a lot of these cardio things that are used to kind of make you want to hate life and realize, yeah, you messed up. And I think after they had that realization of we didn't play our best, why didn't we play our best? And then they realized we weren't playing as a unit. We weren't playing as a team. They didn't. We didn't have that mentality. We're, we were playing as individuals. Yeah. Hockey is not an individual sport like baseball, like running, like, you know, any other, other sport. Yeah. It is... There's very r few sports that are individual based. Mm -hmm. Hockey is not one of them. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yes, that's true. So like to see them have this moment where they're like, "Oh wait, we're not playing for ourselves. We're playing for a country of like five million plus, or like however." large that population was at 1980 yeah. but like it was more so of we're playing for our country we're representing our country yeah. not only where we're from but where our, fr our teammates are from too because yeah. those teammates they were from all over oh yeah they didn't just play at those universities they were from california minnesota you know wisconsin, wisconsin michigan new york vermont they were from all over the country and so, and, but they played in, you know, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, oh, yeah. where those hockey schools were. Mm -hmm. But until they realized, we're playing for everybody, was there that sense of, we're a team. And once you had that, you, they had this sense of their team, they become unstoppable. Oh, yeah, it's more, you take out the I and you put the we. Mm -hmm. and, and even though, like, like, it's been a while since I last watched hockey, but the impression of that, like, it even goes to show now, like, even when I, I've seen ice hockey in the Olympics, like, yeah, you look at stars, you know, obviously, stars matter, but at the end,
you see the collectiveness. Like that's what you why you see okay, why you see teams that normally don't make like they they may not have the stars, but when they have the co correct unit, the great collection of players who all they care about is the one, then it makes sense. Like even there was one time I saw it was Russia, right? And I, I think the only ones I knew was Alex Ovechkin and Venki Malkin. And I don't know who they played, but I was shocked that they were eliminated in the first round of group stage. I think it was somewhere around 2011, somewhere around there or seven. But I was shocked. I'm like, how could a team like that? You have all this talent. They lose to, I think it was Slovakia or something. And they made, I think they ended up getting bronze or fourth place. But it goes to show to you how you mentioned, like, you you focus on what's in front. You focus that you're playing for a nation and not, not just for yourself. And that's why you see it all over, all over, not just in hockey, but all over sports where it's all about the one. It's all about we and not I. Well, and look at a uniform, right? Like, look at any jersey from any sport. Like, let's take a hockey jersey, right? Mm -hmm. um, the hockey sweater, what's the biggest thing on that sweater? The name. The, of what? Who's of name? the team. Of the team, right? Yeah. So, like, and that's for a reason, I think. It's to instill that uh, team mentality. Like, mm -hmm. it, like, looking at an avalanche jersey, right? You can't fit the whole name of Avalanche across someone's yeah. chest. It's too long. Oh, yeah. But they have the biggest logo of the Avalanche logo on there. Yeah. Like, same with, you know, the Red Wings. Too long of a name. They have yeah, the their iconic yeah. logo. You know, Edmonton Oilers, Oilers right across the chest, right? Yeah. Like, the, the Las Vegas Knights have Knights across yeah. the chest, right? So, like, they have, or, no, they have the... The symbol of the knight in the chest. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah. like they have, and then you know we switch to you know another sport. Let's look at baseball, right? Okay. Minnesota Twins, right? Twins right across yeah. the chest. Iconic Red Sox, right? Yeah. Like the only team that really doesn't have the team name across the chest is the New York Yankees in baseball. Yeah. But that's just because the New York Yankees are the New York Yankees. Oh yeah. They're definitely. iconic. The minute you put on that uniform, you you feel you're a part of that team. Oh yeah. Like, every player that plays for them, they know that. <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> it's the New York Yankees. Yeah. But, like, so, like, the minute you realize this thing that I have across my chest, the first thing my opposing player is going to see, it's not my name. It's not who I am. Like, sure, sometimes I'll have the number there. Oh, yeah. But it's my team name. It's not my name. It's not who I am. Yeah. It's, not, it's not even my number. It's my team. And the minute they have that realization, it's boom, let's play. Yeah, and you want to go at them, especially no matter who they are, especially if it's some if it's a team that has had a history of tradition, just like the Soviets, like the U.S. went at them, and did it caught by the Soviet surprise? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, because they didn't expect them to play their style. Where, but that's how they did it. They, they didn't care. And, and yeah, and then as you can see, several of the Soviets of that team ended up playing in the NHL. 
So it just goes to show you that they weren't just playing against anybody. They were playing against several, which I assume they are in the Hall of Fame already. Several in the NHL Hall of Fame and in several of the Soviets, which we'll get into. But but yeah, they they knew who they were playing. They had an objective, and and yeah, it wouldn't matter. They. They made the Soviets feel lost that game, especially in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And like, if you like watch and read the the game itself, and you read the box score of that game, mm-hmm. the U.S. for the largest portion of that game was out of it. They it wasn't that close of a game until the very end. Like, f- for the first, you know, the goalie did a great job on the U.S. Oh, yeah. side. He did great, but he. I can't remember the final score, but I swear it was like three to two or something. Yes, three to two. That's correct. And so, like, he did let in two goals, and that, those two goals were in the first two periods. Yeah. And so, like, you know, like, it wasn't until third period after that second period of intermission, where they go back in and in the movie you see this incredible, incredible motivational speech by the coach, and you just you feel inspired yourself. You're like, hey, this is our moment. This is our time. And I think. You know that any way you beat a dynasty in any sport is you got to play that team's game, like you have to beat that team at its own game, like, and for the Soviets at that moment, all they were were about offense. The minute you put them on defense, they were okay. Yeah. They were decent. They were able to hold their own, but they weren't able to become a stone wall. Mm-hmm. And the minute you know the U.S. in that game was able to turn on the Jets and become an offensive force. When the Soviets were on the defense, they couldn't do anything. Oh, yeah. And when they mounted a counterattack, the U.S., unlike the Soviets, they were able to become a stone wall of defense. Oh, yeah. They were able to stop yeah. the Soviets at their own game. <laughs> Absolutely. Even the Soviets, like, they, that huge error were basically, where they're like, okay, we're going to go into the second intermission, no big deal. They just let them, okay, score that one. And that showed... That actually changed the momentum. Oh yeah. For for Team USA. And anyone who watches sports or plays sports mm-hmm. will tell you momentum is everything. Yes, yes it is. Like, okay, like that's in hockey especially, everything is about momentum. The minute you're able to go on to the other person's third and press an attack, the more likely you are to score a goal because you're in their territory. Yeah. The moment, you know, you start a rally in baseball. The longer yes. you're able to keep that rally, yeah. the more likely you are to score. Mm-hmm. In football, the moment you start driving and the defense is able to not hold you or stop you, yeah. your momentum shifts. The, in soccer, the minute you you know you get on to the other half and to the final quarter yeah. and you get into the goal box, you'll score. Oh, yeah. Depending on how good the goalkeeper is, obviously. Oh, yeah, obviously but yeah. your chances of scoring and winning a game at that point increase. And so, yeah. that was the case with the U.S. at that point. They were able to increase their chances of winning just based on the fact that they were able to become an offensive force. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And that's why it's been now, let's see, it's 1980. It's been, what, close to 40 years, I assume? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 40 years since we've had the Miracle Ice. And, and hopefully that this event still continues to be talked about, not just... Look, if you want to look into a sports perspective, go right ahead. It's it's great. But also, what it 
did to the world, what it did to to a na to nations later on, which you may not see it right away the implications, but as you saw it long term, it played a huge role to how how the world was shifting and how the world was going to be different later on and not just in the 80s but even we even feel it today at times well and like you know obviously this was not the cause for the the break apart of the soviet yeah, union it was not, uh -huh. but like who would no one at that moment in time in 1980 the minute the u.s played them and won the gold medal mm -hmm. no one would have thought that 11 short years later there would be no more soviet union no one would have thought that yeah heck i still can't believe it and it's been what 20 plus years since that's happened yeah pretty much like so, 29 years so like the fact that 11 years after this game there's no more soviet union that is in a whole another eggshell we can go into another time but yeah the fact that there's no more Soviet Union is just mind-boggling because now you have this game where, yeah, it's a miracle on ice, and we it's as it is and always will be, but it's almost lost some meaning because that opponent in that country almost no longer exists. Because, yeah. you know, despite what pe people in the States think, this Soviet Union was not just Russia. Yeah. It was a lot of the Eastern European countries. Yes, but a lot of people still think of it only as Russia. So like, but it, which it was not, but so like you had Russia, Ukraine, Poland, yeah. you had all these countries. And so once they win, everything changes. And it's, it's weird because that country of the Soviet Union no longer exists. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. And even, even though in the next Winter Olympics they, they won gold and all, but you could see cracks later on that that because of that defeat, like it, it lingered them mm -hmm. several. Even I, I, I can't even tell that even lingered the coach as well. Like though, though you may think, oh, they we'll get over it, whatever. But obviously, at the end, well, they weren't able to. Mm -mm. Like after ten long years of dominance, one win by a bunch of nobodies broke the crack or cracked the you know the cement, cracked yeah. the wall. But, like, in sports, anytime you lose, you have to get it out of your head. Yeah. You can't keep thinking about, what if we did this? What if we did that? You can't do that. And the yeah. Soviets clearly were not able to get that out of their heads. Like, yeah, they won gold, but as you were saying, you could see cracks. They weren't the same team. And so, like, it's almost as if they just couldn't stop thinking about what if we did what what could we have done different and because they could have they couldn't stop doing that they on the ice even they would, they started to crack and they started to make it easier for other teams to beat them at yeah. their own game yeah totally agreed and and yeah like obviously what the u.s did is amazing like it's great when we talk about miracles and but also, we also have to look at it from, okay, what with Russia, with the Soviet Union, like, what, how, how they did things at first, which it was good, 
but then like everything like you said a loss like that cracks a team and you can repair it yes it's happened in sports but if you don't adjust then the crack well, what you thought was a little crack becomes bigger and when you, and by the time it gets bigger it's too late to fix it and let's take this out of the sports world because there's a wonderful life lesson we can draw from this right yeah. now like in life we'll make mistakes yeah. we're not going to be able to go through life scrape yeah, scratch free. Yeah. We're not going to be able to do that. And so to have moments where we make mistakes, to quote Green Lantern, we're only human. Yeah. And so I think we got to remember we can't think about those moments where we messed up all the time because we'll go insane. Because mm -hmm. if we start to think about what we do wrong every day, we're not going to be able to succeed in life. We're Absolutely. only going to see the, the bad. We'll never see the good. And there's so much good in this world to see. There's so much. Yeah, it's dark right now, but there's so much good going on too. And like, if we look for the bad, we'll find the bad. Oh yeah. No question about that. But when we find the good in everything, then use that for the good. Not just of ourselves, but also the good of, of others and for the good of the world. And I think that's why people are drawn to sports, because sports reflects life in so many ways. And so like to have this miracle on ice, we can see exactly how it reflected life at that point. Because like a whole country gathered together around a group of nobodies mm -hmm. that's impressive in its own right like that doesn't happen today like everyone gathers around the stars right and then you know let's take it a few years down the road and what was it in the 1990s I can't remember what exact year but the dream team 92 in 92 for US basketball yeah. the dream team those were all stars but we still we, and we knew who they were, but we still, as a country, back them. Even today, we still back yeah. them. They're, we call them the dream team. And I think this was the dream team before the dream team. Mm -hmm. we, yes, but the only difference is we didn't know these people. Had they been stars, this could have been the 1980 dream team. Yeah, could have. I totally agree with that. I don't dispute that. And, and yeah, it just shows team, team, and team. Exactly, and you know, I think this is a perfect spot to end as we talk about the U.S. and how the Miracle on Ice has impacted them, what they thought about it, because as we talk, as we get into another episode, we'll talk about its legacy on the game of hockey today. Yeah. And a little preview into that, players today from the United States say, at growing up in that time, and like you or kids you know I myself wasn't around then oh, yeah. but like so like but the fact that you know I'm new getting into this hockey fandom I'm becoming mm -hmm. a hockey fan is in large part due to this miracle on ice because it made us realize 
hey, the U.S. actually can do something in hockey. It's not just a Canadian sport. And so players today will say, I started playing because of this moment. And, like, if the only thing you know about it is the movie, we hope today you're able to learn a bit more about it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Couldn't do more. And, and yeah, like, the more you learn about Miracle on Ice, and then also the more you learn about the game in Lake Placid, New York, then you'll come to appreciate what the platform and the stage, like the Winter Olympics, can do to not just change the course of people, but the course of, of a nation and the world. And, you know, it sucks that because of COVID, we're not getting the Olympics for another year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so true, yeah. Because, like, I don't know about you, Alan, but I just love watching the Olympics and watching sports that I normally don't watch. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, okay, I normally won't watch people swim. Or I won't normally won't watch people do a high dive. I won't watch ping pong or tennis on TV. Uh-huh. But if it's the Olympics, I'm turning it on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like I think in 1980, United States, it was very similar in that sense. Like in that time, hockey wasn't popular. It wasn't a part of the Big Four. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, the Big Four is baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. Mm-hmm. The four major leagues: MLB, NHL, NFL, and NBA. Yeah. But, and so NHL wasn't one of those leagues yet. It was, yeah, it'd been around since like a long time, but it wasn't quite, excuse me, it wasn't quite at its peak yet, and it's still not. Yeah. It's still growing, but it had a chance to grow even further. It needed a moment to say, hey, we're here, let's do this. And for hockey, that was the 1980s. That was Lake Placid, New York. That was Miracle on Ice. Without that moment, who knows what would have been hockey today? Who knows what would have happened to the NHL? Yeah. Without it, who knows? Who knows, yeah. Like, you know, the NBA was still struggling in 1992, and we'll probably talk about this in another episode, oh, yeah. but the NBA was struggling before the Dream Team. Like, before the 90s, the NBA wasn't well, the, the NBA. 70s, yeah, most of the 70s, but we'll get into that, yeah. So, like, it needed a moment yeah. to shine. Every sport gets its own moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what we'll do here on this podcast is we'll give these moments a chance for them to shine. We'll give these sports a chance to shine. We'll relive these moments. Because, like, I wasn't born until 97, 17 years after Lake Placid. Yeah. But the impact of that game is still felt in 2020. It was still felt in 97. It's still felt, you know, today. Hockey... It's in large part due to the hockey we know today because yeah. of this game. Absolutely, and and even as we invite our listeners to not just come and reflect, reflect upon what what led to these moments, what what did they do to overcome, what what was the mindset behind them, and and use and use all of this for your own motivation. Where some of you may be struggling at times or or you're going through a hard trial but let it be known that with this podcast was with the world of sports how it can help people around the world and how it has personally been a help 
for me. And obviously we'll talk about that, how sports has impacted both, both our lives and what it has done in, even in recent years. Yep, and you know, as we continue to grow and as we continue to talk about these moments, let us remember, you know, we weren't around for a lot of these, but we still feel the impact of them today. Absolutely, yes. We, you know, I'm a rabid baseball fan a ra and a becoming rabid hockey fan. Alan's a rabid basketball fan, rabid football fan. And soccer. And soccer. Like, we both have a love for yeah. of, of soccer but we uh, together, but, like, we just have this love of sports, and we were thinking about how to get it out, and this was one way to do it. But we realized as we were thinking about this, there's so many moments in sports history, especially international sports history, where that have almost been forgotten. Not to say the Miracle on Ice has been forgotten. Clearly it hasn't. But, like, there's so much more that has been so let's relive them yeah, let's, let's soar as we do them because I think everyone needs a moment to be like hey that was cool and let, we hope we can all learn something from it today too so you know we'll we'll sign off today but you know everyone keep trucking remember you know life might be hard now but it'll get better oh yeah and always keep keep being positive Let's soar, everybody. Let's soar.